This is the Halftime Show with Umar Adouri on Pulse95. Hello and welcome to Pulse95 and this is the Halftime Show. Now, Umar Adouri has been away for quite some time and uh, this is myself, Abdul Karim Hanif, uh, stepping in uh, for Umar Adouri to fill in for uh, the Halftime Show. We're going to be covering a number of sporting highlights and what's been happening here in Sharjah in particular. Now, Umar Adouri, if you know him, he usually um, is dressed up in, in a kandura. So for myself, knowing that... I've got big Naal to fill, you know. So Omar Duri being a sport connoisseur of Pulse95, keeping us posted uh, throughout the week, three times a week as well. Uh, what we'll do today is we'll do a little bit of a recap in terms of what's been happening because today's a very big day here in Sharjah. The F1H duo is going to be coming to its conclusion, so I'll be giving you some uh, results and what's been happening. Uh, it's a bit of a, a, a tough encounter uh, between Sean Torrente and Anderson as well. So this is uh, going to be a heated contest and a very heated halftime show to keep you posted. Uh, plus, we'll be looking at Mikel Arteta is now returning to Arsenal, this time as the manager of the club. So we'll be talking about that. We'll be hearing from Arteta himself. He just conducted his first press conference over the weekend to talk to the press and the public uh, about his new role. Plus, Pakistan versus Sri Lanka. Of course, Test Cricket returning to Pakistan after quite some time. And uh, it is the Sri Lankan team themselves who were the victims of the tragic incident over uh, just about 10 years ago, in fact. And now they're in Karachi playing the second Test match. And boy, it's been a, a bit of a tussle between the, the two Asian sides. But uh, Pakistan at the moment seem to be firmly in the front seat so we'll be telling you and letting you know about what's been going on and what's been uh, the key talking points and highlights of that encounter plus we'll be concluding with a conversation with Mikel Atiyah because he was down at uh, the uh, NBA Stars event uh, that were here and they are here in Sharjah uh, training about 500 students to become uh, basketball players and they're getting accustomed uh, to uh, the UAE culture particularly here in Sharjah as well so we'll be hearing from NBA legends and stars Kenny Garrison and Leslie Johnson who'll be sharing their thoughts with Mikel Atiyah uh, for the halftime show in particular about what's been happening and how they feel about being here in Sharjah so it's a busy packed halftime show and uh, I Abdul Karim Hanif will be your host uh, throughout this afternoon to get involved in the conversation have your say in the matter text lines will be open 4215 for you to have your say are you happy with Arsenal's new manager and are you also pleased with Pakistan's performance against Sri Lanka all this will be discussed right here on the halftime show on Pulse 95 this is Pulse 95. You're listening to the Halftime Show podcast. This is the Halftime Show with Omar Paduri on Pulse 95. Hello, welcome back on to Pulse 95. And just past four o'clock, we're looking at a very, very intense 
uh, matchup on uh, the waters of the Khalid Lagoon. Team Sweden's Jonas Anderson has seized the advantage for today's world title showdown at the UIM F1H2O Grand Prix of Sharjah uh, with a brilliant lap uh, which he did over the weekend during the Rebellion official qualifying, taking his fifth career pole position and now starts four places ahead of the defending champion and the points leader Sean Torrente. Now this is going to be a very intense finish at the moment. So now what's uh, let's start off with talking about what this F1 Power Boating Championship is because a lot of people do get confused when they go over to Khalid Lagoon or Del Majal's waterfront and they're looking at the best of the bikes, uh, the water, uh, the aqua bikes and the power boats and thinking, what's really going on over here? Well. What happens here is Sharjah hosts the annual F1 H2O uh, World Championship. This is the 20th year in the running. And how it works is, is the they've also got the UIM Aquabike World Championship, which is in its fifth year. Now, the world's fastest power boats and aquabikes have been battling it out uh, on the waters here. And today, Saturday, December 21, is when we will see the winner of this season. Now, uh, Team Abu Dhabi continue to win, and they are the defending champions at the moment and uh, one uh, aspect that you should be aware of is that these boats can actually travel at a speed of over 140 miles an hour and then these guys have been racing and then up to 20 of the world's leading drivers have been taking part in this race and if you're a, a huge boat fan you've got to be going down there and checking out the final the finals going on and uh, you'll be getting a regular sport score updates as well in terms of what is happening but Let's have a look at the season at the moment. They've travelled to Portugal, France, China, two rounds in China, and now they're concluding over here with the UIM, uh, the F1H2O Championship for the Power Boats. Um, looking at the situation at the moment, the American rider uh, or driver, Sean Torrente, continues and has been winning for quite a number of years, but now he's been... Uh, really challenged by uh, the second place at the moment Jonas Anderson from Sweden uh, in the earlier contest that took place in uh, the Senstar Grand Prix of China and Xiamen uh, on the 20th to the well in fact on the 20th of October 2019 Sean Torrente won that one uh, took a walked away with uh, 20 points so each time you win a season or a race uh, then you are getting those 20 points so he sits comfortably at the top at 64 points now I've said comfortably it is not that comfortable because he's been closely uh, monitored by Jonas uh, Anderson at the moment and uh, the guys have uh, hit the Khalid Lagoon today and it's going to be very very interesting and to see the Super Saturday of Sharjah. Uh, now, what we see is Torrente wins if he finishes ahead of Anderson or, f- or finishes second if Anderson wins. So Torrente needs that top two position. If Anderson finishes first, second, third, fourth and fifth and Torrente in third, fourth, sixth or even eighth or tenth, Anderson will win this title. Torrente has got his work cut out and if he has to get within any striking distance of Anderson on his inside and between him and his rival is Abu Dhabi teammate Daniel Khimzi and uh, victory is Eric Stark as well. And this is really a very, very uh, fascinating com- uh, contest that's going to be taking place at the, mo- at the moment. Uh, and uh, we are going to be very uh, keeping our ears out for that as well. So if you're going and thinking... 
how do I uh, think of uh, you know catching this action? Then all you've got to do is head on over uh, to the Khadr Laguna, all the Al Majaz waterfront. You'll be seeing all these power boats uh, really uh, getting uh, heated and getting involved uh, with this competition. Uh, but now, one aspect is that it's all about Sharjah uh, and uh, how Sharjah continues to be at the forefront when it comes to uh, such. Um, events and of course hosting such a, a grand event it is a proud moment for Sharjah as a city so let's move on and hear from His Excellency Khalid Al Midfa who is the chairman of the Sharjah uh, Tourism Authority um, and the SCTDA to be precise uh, and we caught up with him so Morning Majlis' presenter uh, Ahmad Dawood uh, went down to the press conference and spoke to His Excellency Khalid Al Midfa at great length about the importance of hosting such a a fantastic competition here in Sharjah, and this is what he had to say. Yes, Bismillah uh, Rahman Rahim. Of course, uh, the Sharjah F1 uh, powerboat race has been uh, taking place here in Sharjah for the past 20 years, and uh, today the UIM promoter, Mr. Nicholas Angermano, uh, uh, mentioned a very important point. Whereas uh, Sharjah is the city that has a record of, uh, uh, that broke the record of uh, hosting and organizing this race for 20 consecutive years. And this is very important for us because we look at this race and we see uh, the the results and the outcomes of this race being uh, really phenomenal, I would say. Uh, It's true that the race uh, uh, continues here for uh, almost a whole week. But what we say is that it doesn't stop after uh, the end of the uh, championship. But it actually, for us, it starts after the end of the championship. Whereas we take this, uh, the, the outcomes and we take whatever has been done here in Sharjah and we take this uh, sports uh, tourism event uh, and uh, showcase it in all our uh, exhibitions, in our roadshows, in our participations, in our printed material, in our online uh, uh, channels, through our online channels. And we capitalize on this because this is a very good tool, I would say, and, and a smart way of promoting the destination, showcasing what, what it, it's all about. Uh, through uh, this sports tourism race and we have what it takes here in Sharjah uh, to pro- to promote and to host this, these kinds of uh, world-class prestigious events I would say. And what makes Sharjah a great destination for this kind of event? Uh, of course I uh, shouldn't be the one saying really what makes Sharjah uh, the, 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 the most uh, suitable or liked um, destination uh, uh, the hosting this event but maybe if we listen to our audiences and our teams and our participants and our promoters and the organizers uh, then we can really get the real picture and maybe today we heard uh, during the press conference uh, the, 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 the promoter and some of the uh, team uh, teams and uh, world championships uh, world champions I mean uh, uh, mentioned uh, how well organized this event is so uh, we take it from them we take it from them and uh, we take uh, their opinion uh, as as the benchmark so that was His Excellency Khalid Al-Mithfa, the chairman of the Sharjah Tourism and Commerce Development Authority, SCTDA, to be precise. Uh, and uh, it's been a, f- a fantastic race going on at the moment. So if you are going down there, uh, do uh, go over and cheer 
on your favourite races, but it's been a slightly, uh, even though Sean Torrente has got a five-point advantage, he'll be starting off on P5, and uh, one thing that he believes, he made a couple of errors, was uh, coming sixth in the second qualifier, and he says, sixth in Q2 was my fault, I should have been higher up. Going out first in the shootout is never perfect, but the first lap was okay, and I felt I was way up on my second, but went for a home run and messed up. The race is different, a lot can happen in 40-odd laps, I need to make a good start and take it from there. Well, all the very best to all the drivers uh, taking part in this. And yes, it's a fantastic event for Sharjah indeed. We'll take a bit of a short break for the halftime show and uh, we'll come back with a big news story uh, about Arsenal's new manager. Stay tuned to Pulse95. This is Pulse95. You're listening to the Halftime Show podcast. Oh, he loves the this is the halftime show with Umar Adouri on Pulse 95. Nice strike! Oh, better than nice! Wonderful! Well, it is the rise and fall. It was the fall of Unai Emery, who was dismissed as head coach uh, in November 2019 uh, after a series of poor results. But now it is time to welcome uh, the new manager of Arsenal and it is indeed Mikel Arteta so it is an exciting time uh, for Arsenal fans uh, do let us know on the text lines 4215 how you feel uh, about uh, the new manager Mikel Arteta has now said that he must change the energy uh, at the club and he feels they've lost their way since he left and after his retirement as a player in 2016 so now he has signed a three-and-a-half-year contract to succeed uh, Unai Emery and uh, he served as an assistant coach at Manchester City but has never managed any particular team. Uh, and uh, Arteta, when he spoke to the reporters, he said, I have so much respect for this club and if I didn't feel I am ready and prepared for this, I wouldn't be sitting in this chair. And we'll be hearing uh, from him uh, about this as well. Now, he has been uh, saying that, uh, you know, obviously... Looking back uh, to his uh, time uh, uh, at uh, Arsenal as well, he said that uh, you know being a club captain and winning the FA Cup twice in a five-year playing career with the Gunners has been in a, a special moment for him. Now he will take charge uh, from tomorrow onwards, and uh, he'll he'll be leaving. Uh, uh, Freddie Youngberg in interim charge for the trip to Everton uh, but uh, also another of uh, Arteta's former clubs uh, which is uh, in fact taking off kicking off uh, has been kicking off uh, will be kicking off later today as well in fact uh, we have to build the right culture it is my job to convince everybody that this is how we're going to live um, he has. He said that he was slightly upset and he cried when he said farewell to colleagues at City and stress he needs a proper conversation uh, over his own future as well. Um, when he take, he'll be taking charge uh, for the Boxing Day fixture at Bournemouth and will also become Arsenal's youngest manager since Tyrell Neal, and who was also 34 when he led the Gunners in 1976. Uh, but uh, Mikel Arteta has got uh, the backing of a couple of people, very important people. Arsene Wenger as well has uh, given his backing to uh, Arteta, so something to look forward to him, uh, look forward to for him. Uh, but let's hear uh, from the man himself who's been taking over this new role, and it'll be very exciting times for them. But uh, Arsenal sits 10th uh, in the Premier League following the 
Spurs a home defeat to Manchester City last Sunday. And uh, Arteta was also in the dugout and said that last week I was here and felt a bit down. I have to get all the staff and everyone with the same mindset. We have to build this right culture. And this is what Mikel Arteta had to say about his new role. I feel back home. I'm extremely happy and proud to have given the opportunity to to be the manager of this football club. Um, I've been preparing for a few years for this challenge to come. I know the expectations, I know the level, and I know the stature of this club and what it deserves. So I'm ready for that challenge. I can't wait to start working with the players and everybody here at the club. But uh, I've got a good vibe. I'm sensing a good energy today since I work in a London colony. So it's giving me even more energy and I feel so happy. I can't say any, any other thing. How did it feel? Walking back in here, how did it feel walking back in at the training ground at London Corner? Yeah, it was strange, just living four or five years ago, in a different role, in a different position. But uh, it was always a dream for me. The day I left and I made a decision to leave this football club, I said to the people that uh, I'm going outside, I'm going to learn, I'm going to get prepared and hopefully one day I can come back here when I feel that I'm ready to make that step. I have so much respect for this football club that if I wouldn't feel that I'm ready and prepared for this, I wouldn't be sitting in this chair. Well, looking forward to this magical career of Mikel Teta as the head coach, so we'll be keeping you posted. Do get involved in the text lines 4215 about what you think uh, has been going on and in terms of Arsenal's future and where do you see Arteta should be focusing on as well. We'll take a bit of a short break and uh, when we come back we'll be shifting our focus to Pakistan and in Pakistan we're looking at the southern coastal city of Karachi where the uh, Pakistan and Sri Lanka are uh, going head-to-head in that test match, the second test to decide who's going to be lifting uh, the trophy of the first test series hosted by Pakistan in Pakistan after almost a decade. Stay tuned to Pulse 95. This is Pulse 95. You're listening to the Halftime Show podcast. This is the Halftime Show with Omar Adouri. Yes, welcome back on to the Halftime Show with myself, Abdul Karim Hanif, now stepping in for Omar Adouri, uh, who is uh, taking a well-deserved break at the moment. Uh, I usually host the Morning Mantelis and bring in a little bit of uh, Pakistani content to the program as well. And uh, there's two things that uh, most Pakistanis love, apart from food, is all things sports and cricket in particular. A little bit of a discussion on politics as well that never fails to impress many. But looking at the cricket at the moment, most Pakistani fans will be very proud of their team. Uh, They've registered and they registered today, in fact, the second highest opening stand ever. And they scored 278, a fantastic knock uh, by Shan Masood and Abid Ali. Uh, Abid Ali, well and truly in form and a great nick from him and it becomes 
Uh, and you know he's got a very spectacular uh, career so far uh, ODI debut scores 100 test debut scores 100 as well this man I actually got a chance to see and watch his ODI debut and was against Australia in Dubai uh, and what a, a fantastic player uh, even though he's slightly older now to make it be making that debut he was 30 years of age uh, but the balance the shot selection uh, the art in his shot playing and stroke playing is phenomenal and he is a man in form at the moment and uh, at the moment we're looking at day three uh, Pakistan's lead has exceeded 260 uh, and uh, they started off not the best of all starts for them in National Stadium Karachi 191 they bat they, uh, they score registered as their first inning score and uh, they got Sri Lanka down to 90 for five but uh, Sri Lanka's uh, uh, Dilshan continued uh, to impress the side and, uh, and he he steered the team over uh, to a very respectable to total of uh, 271 and uh, in fact it was a fantastic knock uh, by by the Sri Lankans as well to register that score in fact it wasn't uh, Dilshan it was uh, Chandimal uh, Dinesh Chandimal and he was uh, and he's been he scored 74 runs and very vital 74 runs to steer Sri Lanka to that position uh, but Pakistan uh, in the second innings have been stealing the show at the moment they look well and truly in great form and Nick and they seem to be the side that will be looking at a lead of over 300 at about 400 uh, they've got nine wickets in hand so all they've got to do is bat out the session today and uh, they would be looking at probably a lead of over just under 300 uh, by the day's uh, close and then when they come back tomorrow uh, day four into this test match so we are expecting to see the results and Karachi's weather is very similar to ours here in the UAE uh, it is winter but you don't expect much rain over there at this time of the year well you can but it's not going to be as horrible as a Rawal Pindi where the game ended up as a draw and at least three days of play was uh, uh, in delay well, in fact cancelled called off and, and we couldn't see much of the action uh, but Pakistan hosting uh, this test series after a number of years and it was Sri Lankan team as well uh, who were the victims of uh, the the terror attack which led to uh, Pakistan no longer playing their home games at home but luckily and uh, fortunately cricket as they say is coming back home and um, there's going to be a little bit of a belief because they were whitewashed in Australia when Pakistan flew over down under uh, and uh, wasn't the best of all outings there against Australia uh, but they'll be hoping to make some inroads in this series so it'll be very interesting to see how they fare and perform uh, so do get involved in the text lines 4215 if, you, if you've got any thoughts for Azhar Ali when to declare should they declare should they have enough days should they have is two days enough given how the track is slightly flattening out is, is it enough uh, for them to dismiss Sri Lanka and register that all important victory to earn the valuable 20 points in the world test championship pakistan sit at the number eight at the moment sri lanka sixth so it'll be all to play for for them as well get involved in the text lines 4215 we'll take a bit of a short break then shift our focus and attention towards charger and nba stay tuned to pulse 95 this is Pulse 95. You're listening to the Halftime Show podcast. This is the Halftime Show with Omar Adouri.
Hello and welcome back on to the Halftime Show with myself, Abdul Karim Hanif, stepping in uh, for Omar Adouri, uh, who is on a well-deserved break at the moment. And uh, it's been a, a busy time uh, for Sharjah uh, when it comes to, uh, to basketball in particular. Uh, we had some great legends coming in uh, to coach the young rising stars of Sharjah's basketball uh, let's say uh, camaraderie over here. Uh, there's a big interest in the world of basketball uh, uh, here in Sharjah and uh, the guys from NBA, former NBA legends, as well as renowned individuals who came over courtesy of the US consulate based here in the United Arab Emirates. They came in to do a little bit of an exchange program, interact with the young rising stars over here, get their thoughts, uh, get motivate them, and also uh, coach and maybe share their expertise in terms of what has been going on. So uh, let's start hearing from, you know, it, it is an exciting time indeed, isn't it? So let's hear from Kenny Gaddison. Michaela T had a very busy time uh, looking after and coordinating and even covering the NBA stars' visits uh, to Sharjah. And Kenny Gaddison, who at the moment is serving as... As, uh, the Vice President of Membership and Player Programming for the National Basketball Retired Players Association. This is the official alumni organization of former players from the NBA, uh, WNBA and also Harlem Glo- uh, Globetrotters. Uh, during this conversation, they talk about what's uh, being showcased. So this is a five-day program and concluded over the weekend. Uh, but during that program, Mikhail um, Atiyah actually got uh, caught up with Kenny Gaddison, who was one of the coaches uh, who were taking, pl- pl- taking part here in Sharjah and also interacting uh, with uh, the, uh, the basketball players. So this is Kenny Gaddison in conversation with Mikhail Atiyah. So, Kenny, what are you doing here? Well, I'm here on the, the same mission that everyone in this building is, and that's trying to grow the... Uh, youth basketball programs in Sharjah and you know we've been over here for three days now working with the youth and it's been excited they're learning a lot and you know they're putting in a lot of energy and hard work you know uh, Sharjah and the UE as a whole um, the biggest like the, I would say the heart of its sports culture is soccer you know and um, you come from the states where basketball is really at the heart of a lot of people out there you know so coming here how, how different is it well as an NBA player and, and an NBA coach I've seen the global transformation of, of, of basketball around the world. I mean, I started playing in the NBA in 1986, and it was only in the United States of America. And now here, 30 years later, 35 years later, whatever it is, NBA basketball is broadcast in over 30 countries. So there's a, there's a global thirst for basketball, especially since it's branching out and you know, with technology, the internet, and YouTube, and everything, now the youth in countries all over the world, they know who LeBron James is. They know who Steph Curry. So it's, it's only a matter of time that places like, you know, Dubai and Abu Dhabi and places that, you know, 15, 20 years ago, basketball wasn't a thought because soccer is, you know, the, the main sport in this part of the world. So I think it's great that the the... the Charger Sports Council is trying to put a lot of resources and effort into this this initiative to grow the basketball for the youth here from 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 the grassroots level, and and that's where you do it. If you want it to last, you got to start with your young kids. Exactly, and when it comes to potential local talent, 
and bringing them to the States, what can they anticipate? You know, being, being around people who basketball, basketball means everything to them. Well, it's one of those things where some of these kids that we're working with today, they could very well be playing Division I basketball in, in, in America in eight, nine years. And just like the, the ladies over working with the, the, the young ladies over there, you know, you might have some young lady from Dubai playing in the WNBA in you know, the near future. So this is what it's about. And you build the, the success and the momentum with the youth. And all it takes is one from here to, to break through that barrier of, oh, I'm the first Division I player from Dubai. And all the other young kids, they're going to like, oh, I want to do that. I want to follow in that footstep. So it's, it's, it's something that, you know, myself and Tom Hammonds, we've seen through our number of years in the NBA, and it's been the global expansion of basketball. So we're happy to be here and delighted to be out here working with these kids. Certainly a pleasure, and I just have one more question. There's always the adage I always hear from people who love basketball, is that basketball is more than just a game. Can you add to that? I mean, I can add a lot to it because being involved with not only basketball, but football, soccer, any, any other team sport, you develop so many leadership skills and, and character traits and integrity and those things transfer to adults so through basketball you are creating some well-rounded adults that are going to be pillars of this community and this society so sports do a lot of things other than just give people you know activity to do and watch on tv it, it, at the core of it sports creates leaders and and, and future businessmen and they learn team concepts and create synergies and learn how to be successful. Kenny Gaddison, thank you so much for being here in charge, especially, you know, break, breaking through those barriers and, you know, helping and motivating potential local talents and keeping the basketball culture alive and well, even outside the States. Well, you know, that's a part of what we do. And I've traveled this whole world, you know, pushing basketball and working with youth. Uh, so it's, it's a pleasure to be here and having a lot of fun with the kids. Well, that was uh, a very interesting interview with uh, Mikel Atiyah, something that Mikel's been very, very proud of as well as he's been getting involved with lots of sports uh, recently as well. Been doing a 90-day fitness challenge as well. Uh, shout out to Mikel Atiyah, host of uh, the Afternoon Karak. Uh, and, uh, well, thank you all for tuning in. And if you'd like to get involved with the conversation, do get in, uh, do drop us a text on 4215. And I hope you enjoyed uh, my filling in after the show filling in those big niles of uh, Omar Duri uh, for this uh, sporting conversation on Saturdays, Mondays and Wednesdays right here on Pulse95. We'll be speaking to you again shortly. Well, you can just go to tune in at 7am tomorrow morning for uh, the Morning Majlis uh, until 10 and uh, we'll be keeping you posted with all the big headlines shaping across the world and particularly right here in Sharjah. Until next time, it's goodbye for now. This is Pulse 95. Tune in live every Monday, Wednesday and Saturday from 3 p.m.